A timeless message is God's message to singles. I think a lot of times we have been married a long time. We don't think so much about that. And, and I know I've, I've not seen things from your perspective. I was married when I was 20, and I'm 68. So I've been married a lot longer than I've been single. So for me to try to relate to that to a degree, uh, it's a little difficult for me to do. But Paul relates to it well this morning, and, that, and that's what we're talking about. Somehow... The grass always seems greener on the other side of the fence, doesn't it? Like fielded cows, we poke our heads past our barbed wire boundaries to graze in another's pasture where that grass seems to taste much better than ours. But if we were to stop and listen real close, we'd hear others chomp as they graze on our grass, leaving their green fields for still other dissatisfied souls. I am sure you've heard or maybe said this yourself as a husband or a wife, as a parent. When you're up to your elbows in dirty dishes or dirty diapers or dirty faces or these giant messes that our children make for us to clean up. And two-year-olds probably, I, I don't know, man, what's that guy's picture doing on the big screen? <laughs> Anyhow, that's distracting. But it, it, I dare see Kramer's picture up there. That may that's weird when you're talking and you're looking at yourself. That's just that's straight. I'm going to turn my head. I'm going to preach from this way today, but I didn't know that was going to be up there. But anyhow, it's messed me up now. I've lost my train of thought, and that's a short train. I'll guarantee you that. Well, I was talking about two-year-olds when they ask you questions. You know, why, when, what, how, where. When and who, and it's a kind of a constant thing, especially if you're busy trying to do something. Here's these kids, and they never let up. You can't explain it enough. It, now you know what Diane is like, which she has to live with me. It's, it's kind of like that with me, really, actually. And, and, but then sometimes you might say, if I only had more time to myself, then I could accomplish some of my goals, and then I'd feel worthwhile. If only... You ever said or, or thought that maybe? But picture this in your mind. So you're, you're within the confines of marriage and maybe up to your neck and children and all these things coming at you or whatever. But then just down the street, single people settled into the careers of their dreams. They're home from the fitness center about 6 o'clock maybe. They take, take out Chinese or eat Lean Cuisine or eat a salad, anything they want. They eat what they want, when they want. There's nobody there to ask, what do you want? And then they sit down and they turn on the news and even in the, the moment of that, they wish that there might be somebody across the table to listen to other than Lester Holt. And I like Lester Holt, but you don't get, it. He didn't, you don't get to talk back to him actually. But I think too many times we look at our lives and all we see is the weeds. We don't see the green grass. Paul encourages us in 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 35, to look at green grass instead of the weeds. And he advises everybody on both sides of the fence, but especially singles to stay where they are and graze contentedly. 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 35. Now about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them. I thought that was interesting to me as I read this passage. But the Lord in his kindness has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. 
Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain just as you are. If you have a wife, do not end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, I'm trying to spare you the extra problems that come with marriage. <laughs> Man, that should be in quotation marks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Verse 29, now let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the, same, the time that remains is very short, so husbands should not let marriage be their major concern. Happiness or sadness or wealth should not keep anyone from doing God's work. Those in frequent contact with the things of the world should make good use of them without becoming attached to them. For this world and all it contains will pass away. In everything you do, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man can't do that so well. He has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be more devoted to the Lord in body and in spirit, while the married woman must be concerned about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saving this, saying this for your benefit, not to place restriction on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And I realize when we study a scripture, you look, have to look at the cultural aspects and what it in, in, and in this point in time in history, women weren't on the same level as men, we, only in Christ. They were not co-equals in culture. Uh, in a lot of cultures, they were pretty much considered as, as, as property. So I guess in Paul's defense in that when he, he didn't have anything to say to single women, he, I, he put worth to them. But in that culture, it was just a little different, a little different time. Paul is addressing this passage to male and female, both. And heaven surely knows how different we are. God made us that way. Here's another little clip from a, a Christian comedian called, called John Branion. He mentions that a little bit. Let's watch. What's that? It's not on there? That's all right. Anyhow, this guy was talking about Adam and Eve and how God took a rib from Adam and gave it to Eve. And it was the rib, it was the rib where men can read minds. I thought that was funny. <laughs> now, even though... My wife's ill and not here this morning. I'm sure she's watching. God bless you, Diane. <laughs> but I'm not going to say a whole lot, but I could say a lot here and dig myself an even deeper hole that I'm down to bedrock now. But because we are so different, we want to stay single sometimes. And then we change our mind and we get married and and for some, the green grass of being single again looks very appealing. Very. <laughs> See, when I do premarital counseling, when I talk to people that, that's going to get married, I, I try to, to, to imprint this in their mind that do not go into this relationship with divorce as an option. 
It, it is an option, but it, it shouldn't be in your mind. I'm granted, things happen. We get, we, we get involved with somebody and we get married and you start living with them. It's a whole, it's a whole other <laughs> world. Because it's my premise that we all have Jekyll Hyde personalities. And the monster lives at home. Who in here that's been married for a while has not seen the monster? I, I, don't, I, I don't think any of us can raise our hands. But nonetheless, that's the, that's the way it is. I, I think in this culture, it, it's been imprinted in our minds and hearts that, ah, you know what, we'll give this a shot. And if it don't work, no big deal. But that's not, that's not the way, way God set that up. So I'm done yammering about that. But, but that's, that's kind of what I'm saying here. As we contemplate this text today, Paul gives us some Holy Spirit straight from God advice on the advantages of singleness. He, he says there's advantages to us. A lot of times we don't hear that side of it. Sometimes when people are single for a while, others think there's something wrong with them. It's not so. I, but I think our culture maybe has, has kind of done that. Paul's advice to singles can be nutshelled in these words. Staying unmarried is desirable, but it isn't demanded. He backs this point up with four advantages single hands that married people don't, actually. Although Paul's thoughts are not drawn from Christ's teaching, they are given to us through the Holy Spirit, and they are inspired words straight from the throne room of heaven. Here's advantage one. Singles will encounter less distress from a hostile world. Paul writes, I think then that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Even though persecution was sporadic and localized in Paul's day, he believed that it was only a matter of time, and within 10 years after he wrote 1 Corinthians, the Roman emperor Nero falsely blamed Christians for setting the imperial capital ablaze. He slaughtered believers of all ages. One rampage followed another, spilling over Rome's city limits into the rest of the empire. And the persecution of these Christians were beyond anything that our minds can comprehend, from John Fox's Book of Martyrs, I quote, they were punished with stripes and scourgings. That's beatings. Drawings, drawing quarter, if you know anything about English torture as well, they did that. Tearings, stonings, plates of iron laid on to them burning hot, deep dungeons, racks, strangling in prisons, the teeth of wild beasts, gridirons and gallows, tossing upon the horns of bulls, Moreover, when they were thus killed, their bodies were laid in heaps, and dogs there left to keep them that no man might come to bury them. End of quote. It's hard for us to comprehend and relate to stonings and scourgings and dungeons and racks. Diane and I, when we were in Germany, we went to uh, Dachau. And some of the barracks had been rebuilt, and they had all kinds of pictures and videos and those kind of things. But the actual crematorium was still there. And I'll never forget this. When you walk in that crematorium where they burnt thousands upon thousands of people, some of them alive, it's almost like the souls of those dead people cry out, and you just start weeping. Paul, there were similar things going on as we have just read. But I'll tell you what the Nazis would do. They would, they would have a husband standing on a chair within the crematorium by the oven, the noose around his neck, 
and they'd bring his wife and his children in, and they would throw them alive into that crematorium to extract information, which he didn't have any information anyhow. And after the torture of watching their families being burned alive, they would kick that chair out, and then he would hang, and then they would burn him. This is so foreign to us that even though we know it happened, we'd like to rationalize that away. It's just like in the world today, people have tried to rationalize the Holocaust away. It cannot be done because it actually happened. And all of the genocide that has happened around the world and all the innocent people that have been murdered in horrendous ways, you can't... <laughs> and that's what Paul was talking about. But what about 20th century hardships that we have in marriage, the loss of a job, a reputation, a mate, a child? It is because believers will face the brunt of the world's hostility toward Christ that Paul's advice to stay single applies to us today. Suffering alone is difficult enough, but watching a mate or a child suffer with you can be unbearable, and many of you have been in that situation. It might have been cancer. It might have been a betrayal. It could be all manner of things, but when you give your heart to somebody and somebody crushes that or you see your heart being ripped apart because of your love for another person that you can't do anything about, some of you have had similar experiences. One time, this, is, this, this isn't even any clo isn't close to this, but it, it, it's something that I think relates to me. When we were in Freeport, um, Josh had some surgery, and when they brought him back from surgery, they were really rough, and they hurt him getting in, in his bed. And it made me sick. It, it had such an impact on me that it, I, hearing him scream out in pain. I couldn't do anything about it. And I, that's the point Paul is making here is this. We live in a pretty good world here, and it's not perfect, but I don't know what the future is. I wish I could tell you that we'll all live to a ripe old age, that we won't suffer at all, but I, I can't do that today. It's difficult enough to suffer alone, but when you see somebody you love, and that's why he's saying one of the reasons maybe you should stay single. Advantage two, singles will experience fewer difficulties on a personal level. Because Paul was emphasizing so strongly the value of staying single, the Corinthians might have begun to think that marriage was sinful. So Paul tells, tells them in verse 28, But if you should marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin should marry, she has not sinned, yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. <laughs> has anybody ever had any trouble in marriage? That's, the, that's profound. I always talk about stuff that's profound. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. But it's been worth it for me, you know. Um, I wouldn't go back and really, well, I would change some things, but I'm not going to tell you what that might be. But... Uh, <laughs> In me. I'm, ch I'm changing me. I'm not changing my wife. But. Many unmarried people look at singleness and see only the weeds. 
But the large number of divorces today is a telltale sign that marriage provides anything but idyllic pastures of green grass. Certainly marriage yields many rewards, but the process is costly. It, it really increases our responsibilities. It calls for readjustment for finances, leisure time, and personal goals. But more than anything else, it grates against our selfishness because it's not about you anymore. You invi- have invited this other person into your life. As Kramer said last week in that quote, you get up in the morning, she's there. You go to bed at night, she's there. She wants to talk and on and on and on. This is a great quote from a guy named Mike Mason that really hits it on the head. Marriage comes with a built-in abhorrence of self-centeredness. In the dream world of mankind's complacent separateness, amidst all our unpleasant little fantasies of omnipotence and blamelessness and self-sufficiency, marriage explodes like a bomb. It runs an aggravating interference pattern and unrelentless guerrilla warfare against selfishness. It attacks people's vanity and lonely pride in a way that few others think can, tirelessly exposing the necessity of giving and sharing the absurdity of blame. Angering, humiliating, melting, chastening, purifying, it touches us where we hurt most. In the place of our lovelessness, dragging us into lifelong encounters which at times may be full of boredom, tension, unpleasantness, or grief, marriage challenges us to abandon everything for the sake of love, end of quote. And isn't that so? The single life also confronts our egos, but without the struggles of a mate to add to it. I think a lot of people naively go into marriage and think that it'll solve all their problems. Here's some problems that marriage won't solve. Loneliness, sexual temptation, satisfaction of one's deepest emotional needs, elimination of life's difficulties. Marriage alone does not hold two people together, but commitment does. Commitment to Christ first and commitment to each other. That is the third part of the marriage. It does not automatically solve every problem in life. Whether married or single, we've got to be content to where God has us at this time. Advantage three, singles can expect fewer distractions from time spent on spiritual matters. Paul says that the time has been shortened. He's probably referring to the amount of time left before the rapture. He also writes in verse 31, the form of this world is passing away. Even as we said here this morning, our world awaits destruction and recreation. It's, it's part of the groaning that we're going through as far. Romans 8, 19 through 22, 2 Peter 3, 10, and Revelation 21, 1 talks about this. So understanding these two verses together, the Christian is urged to invest their time in eternal matters, for time is brief and the world is corrupt. And the sense that he makes here, we can all relate to this if we're married. And those with time wrapped up in family, pleasures, and possessions are distracted from spiritual priorities because our families kind of rise to the surface. Here's a note of clarification. Again, Paul isn't saying that the concerns which accompany marriage are sinful. He's just exposing some of the weeds in marriage that we all have. And as we face it, church involvement 
is, is, is a lot less, and you could do more if you weren't married. That is the point that he's trying to make here. And I am proud of my friend, Siona Taft, that this is the course that she's taken in her young life. That she has given herself to God and been other places in the world, and she really senses that that's her main function in life. So I'm, I'm proud of that young lady. Here's the last advantage, advantage four. Singles can enjoy greater concentration in their relationship with God. Married couples are, are concerned about cultivating their marriages and satisfying their spouse and taking care of their children. We, we all know how much time is involved in children's lives, but I, I applaud parents that put their lives into their children because you can't believe how quick it goes and they're out the door. They're gone. And, uh, but it takes time. Unmarrieds, on the other hand, are able to give undivided attention to God, as Paul says. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. And the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And to be clear up any possible misunderstanding, he explains this ultimate goal for them one more time in verse 35. And this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. God wants undistracted devotion. And I think that's either whether you're married or, or whether you are single, actually. But in today's world, I, I don't know what the percentage of singles that are really focused on Christ. They, they're focused on other things in life as, as well as many of us are. Mark 12, 30 says, He wants us to love Him with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds, and all our strengths. I, I've thought about this as well. Is time. We all have the same amount of time. It's, it's how we use it. And we're talking about here this morning that if you don't have a family, that you have time to do things. But a lot of times we fill that with other stuff. I've always said this about old people till I got to be one. <laughs> and it, this is not about old people, but nonetheless, I, I think about some of the time that we have that when people retire, all that time they have to give to God. And uh, I think that's real important. I'm going to close with some basic commands for singles. Regardless of where you're at in your spiritual life with Christ, he, these are some things maybe that that, that God would have you to really concentrate on. There's, there's three words, and the first one is this, is rejoice. To thank God for who you are and who He's made you, for your singleness, and enjoy His best for you. And when He wants to change that, He'll let you know if we listen to the Holy Spirit, whether He leads you into a relationship to get married or where He puts you where you're at for, to serve Him. The second word is reverse. Rechannel your energies instead of using them to look for a marriage partner. Focus them on Christ. And then the last one's relax. We got to quit hungering for the grass on the other side of the fence. We got to stay where God has put us, and we've got to be content with that. Don't you think that's one of the hardest things about even being a human? Is being content. Are you ever content? Is there ever a time in your life where you're at total peace and you're not you're not wanting to do something? You're not desiring something else, but you can just you can just sit and you can just bask in God's goodness and just be totally content.
I don't know. I don't know if we got it in us. I think it's maybe the way we've been programmed or the way we. I don't know. But if you can do that, I praise God for you. That if you can, if you can be totally content with what God has given you, what you have in life, the path that you're on, the spouse that you have, the children, the grandkids that you have. Praise God if you if you're at that point. But it, it's a it's such a it's such a struggle for us because I mention this a lot because we have all these other voices that speak into our life, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that the world being our culture and commercials. I, I'm 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 always think that's crazy on TV that the a lot of these people in commercials don't look normal. They're all real good looking. They don't look like us. I don't, I don't get that. But it, it's just, it, and we are created, we almost coached in a sense to want perfection all the time. Um, and of course the world and then the flesh is our old nature that wants to drag us back in the mud and then the devil who hates us that wants us to be not content, but he wants us to be upset all the time. Because if he can keep us upset, we can't focus on doing what Christ has called us to do. So being single in 2019 brings with a whole set of benefits, as Paul said, and complications as well. So he gives four advantages. So this morning, if you're single, has God said anything to you? I hope he has. What's he said to you? And even if we're married, I believe God speaks to us every day if, if we sow less than. So if you're not sure, seek God for direction this morning and you need to pray for directions, pray and you need somebody to pray with you. That's why we have this altar up here. Bill did such a fine job building. It's just to know that you're not in this alone. And you're sure you can come up here and accept Christ. Doesn't happen that way very often, but that's what we desire. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you can come up here and we'll show you how. You can accept Christ right where you sat, but a lot of times it's better if somebody explains it to you and puts her arm around you and prays for you. So we, we love you. And we realize that we're, we, we're not in a perfect world, and we realize that this church is not perfect because we're here. The only time the Sherman House is perfect is where there's no humans in the building. It's, it's, about, it's about as close as it gets. So thanks again for coming. and. Uh, be careful going home and, uh, as we pray for 2019. Lord, I love these guys, and I just appreciate their influence in my life, Lord, that they are my brothers and sisters. And uh, so right now, Holy Spirit, we just pray we listen to you as you speak to our hearts, whatever that might be. Just help us to be honest with you. And I know, Lord, that marriage is hard work, and sometimes our relationships aren't where they should be. But I appreciate people that's in there for the long haul. I appreciate people that has had that commitment to stick it out, even though it's miserable sometimes. But, and you look down that dark tunnel, so to speak, and hopefully you see a little light. I do believe that all relationships can be healed, but it takes both parties. And the sad part about it is that sometimes only one wants to work at it, and that's therein you have the problem. So... Bless these families, Lord, and make them strong. Bless these single people, Lord, that you might give them guidance and direction on what path you would have them to follow. We give you praise and glory for who you are because you are a good, good father. We appreciate it. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.